We are blessed at the HBOT News Network to have a continued conversation with Dr. Harch. And for those of you that don't know Dr. Harch's background, um, and, uh, and, and from my standpoint, in attending hyperbaric oxygen international conferences, that he was the feature speaker, and certainly in the early years for me. And, uh, and, and as a result, the industry expanded, but many people would come to hear what Dr. Harch had to say regarding his experience. And what I thought in, in, in hearing him the first time I heard him in Albuquerque in 2014 was that this wasn't only a doctor that was practicing um, his trade and his skill with hyperbaric oxygen, but he was also very interested in the mechanisms and the science behind that. And he corrected me recently when I said, well, you're a PhD scientist and an MD, aren't you? And he said, no, 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 I'm just an MD. And so, so very impressive. It, it, it opens the door, I think, for anybody that has that level of education to really understand the science. And, uh, and I think it would be um, great to hear from Dr. Harch and understand what really um, got him there. What was the path that took him down that? Because if you're a medical student, and if you're someone that's pursuing this career or it's never too late to learn, um, perhaps um, get, get, getting his insights as to why he did that might be helpful. So welcome, Dr. Harch, and, and uh, the floor is yours. All right. I didn't do this by design. Uh, in fact, I had always wanted to be a surgeon. And I was in a surgical residency, which is where I felt my life, my calling was. And I had a very bad accident. I was nearly killed in my internship uh, in a motor vehicle accident and ended up with uh, a six-month medical leave and then uh, came back to it, finished two years and did very well, but I needed another operation and I took another medical leave. And, uh, you know, life events can change your life. <laughs> and uh, my perspective had changed um, when I, I took that, that last medical leave. And um, I, I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. The long story a little longer is I found myself in an emergency medicine practice in New Orleans. I had been living in Denver and uh, I was very unhappy doing what I was doing. I was the class agent for my medical school class and everybody nine years out now was graduated, had moved on and here I was, I hadn't finished a residency. I was working in a little 150 bed hospital that bordered on a swamp on the Louisiana-Mississippi border. And I thought, I, had, I wanted to make an impact in life, in medicine, and I felt like a total failure. And I, I told my wife, I, I am quitting medicine in the next year. I, I, I've got to go make my mark someplace else. It's not happening here. And then I, I had a kind of uh, come to realization moment where I had to sit down and say, you know, you need to quit your complaining and moaning you are where you are because of decisions you've made and why don't you just follow your interest and what intrigued me were these divers and nobody could answer the simple questions of I, I was noticing interestingly the US Navy had had kind of ignored brain decompression sickness for the more florid presentations of spinal cord decompression sickness where you're paralyzed, can't urinate, you know, numbness, tingling, and so on. 
uh, but so many of these divers were just not right. They were, they come in, they're kind of spacey and slow and maybe dizzy, have these complaints. And I started asking questions. Well, what are we treating here? Nobody knows. Are, are there bubbles in the brain? No one knows. Well, what do we do? We'll put them in the chamber. Okay, well, they come out and they're only partly better. What do you do now? Well, you put them back in. I go, well, are the bubbles gone? No one knows. And then in the midst of this, almost literally falling in my lap, like I like to say, manna from heaven, were these totally outrageous, unbelievable cases, one of which a book is written about now, uh, where had I followed the party line, they would have gotten standard treatment and then nothing afterwards. And they were throwaways. And I decided to try something different. Um, and I, I took a swing. Uh, and I, I did something that had cost Dr. Richard Neubauer, uh, one of my mentors, his career, if you will, was pioneering the application of a lower dose of hyperbaric oxygen therapy to chronic brain injury. And I treated these divers, and it just, the, the result was so startling that no one could tell me I was the Pied Piper of placebo, that it was my interaction with them or them getting in a chamber that totally reversed what was going on, this debilitating chronic neurological problem now. And we had imaging to prove it, neuropsych testing, all of this data. And I was a clinical doctor. I wasn't a researcher. I mean, I'd done research, you know, in college and so on, but I went running, running to medical society meetings to show this and show the imaging and that we, there was a treatment now for chronic brain injury that could affect millions and millions of people in the United States, hundreds of millions, possibly worldwide. And the response was, I, 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 I couldn't believe it. It was anything but what I would have expected. And uh, it forced me to having to do the quote, research and the documentation and the clinical work to try to prove it. So no, I, am I a researcher? <laughs> when people say that to me, it's like, no. I'm a clinical doctor who made an observation, took a, a, a kind of swing to deliver a treatment to untreatable disease in, in patients. But even the science you and write about in your book, you, 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 you had to learn that yourself. You didn't learn that. It made me delve into this. I mean, when we did this with the imaging and found this out, I, it, it totally was changing functional imaging because prior to the use, we ended up with the second high-resolution spec-brained camera placed in the United States clinically. Again, dropped out of heaven into our little community hospital because there was a real forward-thinking manager of the department, uh, just a, a manager guy who was head of the department, saw this coming out. The previous machines, the images were so small and so unclear, you had to have a golf ball-sized lesion in the brain to see it. So I got the name Unclear Medicine instead of Nuclear Medicine. And now here were these high-resolution images where we could see something that had never been seen, brain decompression, illness. And then after treatment, this dramatic change, radiologists didn't even know how to read it. And they finally came to me and said, you know, we've stopped reading the first scan until we see what you do with hyperbarics 
because we don't even know what normal was. They were calling these abnormal brains normal. Then I showed the brain getting more normal, and it was, they had to go back and redictate the things. The point was, the effect of this and what happened with these patients was so powerful. It totally changed my life. I, <laughs> I had no choice. I, I, I went after this. And I, I wanted to prove it because the potential of it. And now, if you see what this can do for children with these neurological diagnoses for which there's really nothing, they've got a life of misery ahead of them with almost no quality of life. And, and this can completely change the trajectory of their lives. It's, uh, it, it's I don't know how to say it. It changed my life. And it was it's not of my doing. Well, this was directed by a higher power. Well, the, the, that's all there is to it. The hyperbaric world was blessed that your life changed in that direction. There's no doubt, and uh, and I, I, I was believe, lucky. I believe the Holy Spirit does does guide us. I do too. And this you, is and all you, God directed. I'm just going to tell you flat out. There is n there is no other way to explain this. There are no coincidences that can explain all of of this and what's happened. But you did have none. You did have a choice. Oh, I did. And, and that's the choice you That made. would have been the easy path, just to walk away or just throw my hands up and say, hey, there's nothing up. Insurance isn't going to reimburse that. Sorry, I can't help you. Can't do, you know. Mm -mm. Yeah, I could have done that. But it, I don't know. There's so much medicine I, has to I offer couldn't. us. I couldn't, yeah. yeah. There's so much medicine was, has to offer us that I know. We, we need more doctors that make that choice. You know, and it's a well, sacrifice. There's no doubt you've sacrificed a tremendous amount in yeah. in, in your career, in, in the battles. Yeah, it's been it's been a fight. There's no question about that. You know, one of the people you bring up in your book too is um, is is Cunningham. Yes, yes. And, and and what the medical industry did to Cunningham, and he built that five-story hyperbaric ball, yes. the Cunningham ball, and and he, he just from observation, right and. And he was helping people, and they attacked him and destroyed him and ruined his life. And, yep. uh, and so we, we can't, as, a, as humanity, allow this to, to go on. No. No. Yeah. Look, I, I, I'm blessed. I know that. I'm, I'm my, my wife, I, I couldn't have done this without her. We are a team. This never, never would have gone to where it's gone without her and, and, and what we've been able to do together. Uh, and, and I have to say to this day, you know, most of the, my medical school class, I'm 42 years out of medical school now. Most of the people in my class are probably retired by now. Uh, I'd say I, most of them. And I, I just, I don't see it. I mean, I, I, I want to get this over the finish line. You know, I, I want to take this farther. But I, I have to say that it's scarcely a day that I don't come home with a feeling of gratitude and what happens. I get in my car and my wife often does a lot of the intake interaction with the new patients uh, um, and some of my other staff. So she knows about all the patients and she's involved with it all. And I get on the phone and I, I tell her what's happened that day. And I, I can't tell you the frequency of uh, of things that happen that are so impactful that, I mean, I just, thank God, I'm blessed to be in this position and have this experience. So, you know, and this is more of it. <laughs> well, you know, it's, I, uh, it's a good feeling. I think anybody that's watching this, so. if, they, if they don't understand the heart that you have in this, 
and the knowledge and, and the education, the experience, the witnessing um, over and over and over again of the miracle of hyperbaric oxygen, yeah. that, um, that it's, it's certainly a cause that anybody that's received a treatment or has anybody that might benefit from it needs to grab onto and needs to move forward with. And that, that is the purpose of the HBOT News Network, Dr. Hart, just to get, have conversations you know, yeah. of this nature so that people can really understand. And you know, one of the things that I love about the, the, you know, say the choir of the hyperbaric oxygen industry is that nobody is in that, in, is in that industry as a medical professional because of um, the opportunity to make a lot of money. They're in there because they uh -huh. care about their patients and they wanna see better outcomes. And that's what I wanna surround myself with in life and, uh, and so I've been blessed to have met you and know yeah. someone like you in this world. Well, uh, well, thank you. The feeling's mutual. But I, I, I just please indulge me with another story. After I made that discovery and we started treating people at this little clinic, I don't own it. Uh, I've had no ownership in this uh, for 30-some years that I've been there. Um, uh, I was totally divorced from the operations of the clinic and the management and the whole financial thing. And I didn't want any knowledge of it because I didn't want it interfering with, with trying to really find out what this could work for. What neurological diagnosis would it work for, what it wouldn't, et cetera. I just wanted to see what we could do and try to collect the information, document it, you know, do the, the, the work, et cetera. And after 18 years, the owner of the clinic came to me and said, we're bankrupt. Uh, and he said, look, you, you've been working for minimal or next to nothing here. Uh, it turns out we have treated 45% of the patients here for free, mm -hmm. 18 years. Mm -hmm. And he said, we can't do that anymore. He goes, I'm subsidizing it, et cetera, et cetera. So we had to make the place at least pay for itself. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were not in this, it was not the money-making opportunity. You know, I mean, the place supports me, yes, and I have a, a good practice now and so on, but there have been countless people who have wanted to take this to the next level. Let's scale you up and this whole thing and you can make millions and so on. And the, the problem is that the, the focus, you, you can't, you can't do that, well, let me say it differently. I'm waiting for the opportunity where that can be done and scaled up so there's greater opportunity and availability, but done right. And hopefully that's gonna happen, you know? One of, one of the things that you, you, you remind me of is, is some of the individuals that are very wealthy, you know, and, and some, you know, in the, in the billion, you know, billion range. Um, I'd like some, to meet them. <laughs> Just <laughs> <laughs> well, there, there's 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 plenty of them out there. We know that, and that list is growing. Yeah, um, and no, and it's... and so one of the things that I've noticed is that very often, um, depending on you know where maybe I've only met ones that, that that think this way, is that they learn about this and you find they have a they have a chamber um, in their home. Yeah, you know, in a short period of time, and so so I met a a, a, a Navy chaplain who was treated 40 um, treatments, you know, he had, he had PTSD from a TBI uh, in, I think, Afghanistan or Iraq, one, one yeah. of the recent wars. And uh, he said, well, there's kings and there's priests. 
And so he's a chaplain, and he said, he said, and, you know, I, I just found this interesting, as 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 he's a priest because he's a chaplain. Yeah. He said the kings are the ones that fund the priests to spread the word, yeah. and so he's out looking for the kings, and 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 we need some kings well, we to step up in this industry yeah. to help um, the you know the the individuals like yourself. Or just to take hyperbaric oxygen therapy to the next level, yes. for the right reason. For for as as uh, Mel Hooper says, um, the spirit of humanity. I like his 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 phrase. He said, "We're doing this for the spirit of humanity." And for anybody that's interested in joining the revolution, this is an excellent book. And so, thank you for writing this, and appreciate that that very heartfelt story. So, sure. look forward to continuing the conversation as we go through this. Um, process together. Thank you.